This is the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. In a few short days, it'll be July 4th, which means we'll be outside grilling because it's what you do. And while we'll be talking about barbecue, we're probably not going to be doing like the real authentic barbecue, slow smoked meats and stuff because that's what the pros do. And uh, a little while back, Andrew Knowlton, our deputy editor, when he was in Charleston for the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, met up with two... uh, icons, authorities of real barbecue, Wyatt Dixon from Picnic in Durham, North Carolina, and Sam Jones from Skylight Inn and Sam Jones Barbecue in Winterville, North Carolina. And they talked about uh, sort of all things barbecue and how we sort of entered this new golden age of smoke in America. And then after that, for those of us who don't have quite 12 hours to sit by a a smoker and uh, smoke some brisket and, and some ribs. Uh, we're talking hot dogs and hamburgers and how to do them really, really well with BA's own Carla Lolly Music and Rick Martinez. All right, let's do this. All right, so we're talking new school, kind of old school barbecue. I've got two pros in the house right now. Wyatt Dixon, co-owner of Picnic in Durham, North Carolina. Welcome. Thank you. And also Sam Jones, owner of, well, recently, your own kind of barbecue place in Greenville, North Carolina. That's correct. Called? Bears My Name Only. That's right. That's all it needs. <laughs> Sam, you were literally born into the barbecue business. Um, and, and Wyatt, you come from a little bit of a different background. Yeah, absolutely. But let's start with Sam. Like, For those people listening who don't know your background, did you have a choice? And what you, and what I you did. became? <laughs> I did. I was not an indentured servant or anything, uh, although it felt that way. But uh, my folks opened Skylight in 1947. And that's in Aden, North Carolina? Aden, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, Garden Spot of the South, if you haven't been there. Uh, <laughs> but they opened in 47. That would be 1947, 1947. Right? Sometimes you have to clarify, you know. Eight, Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> but um, And ever since then, it has been a, a family-owned and operated Barbecue joint. And you do pretty much one thing there. Whole hog is what has made us who we are. Okay. And what, can you tell people what style, you know, what style you do, or is is there a specific style? It's a whole hog. Eastern style is probably what we would be stereotyped into, Uh although we don't apply not a ton of anything to the meat while it's being cooked or after it's prepped. And, and Eastern style would mean vinegar. Vinegar, correct. You would, and that would be after you chop, after you pull or chop it. Yes, sir. Okay. And and one of the things that I think is characteristic that when I first had your barbecue many years ago was, you know, I, I grew up in Atlanta having some of that pulled pork, but it didn't have a lot of the crispy skin in there, and that's one of your, I feel that's, like one of your signature <clears throat> things. That's a love it or hate it. Really? There's no middle ground. Some you, people don't like it? Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's a, uh, you either are extremely blown away by it or it just sets your hair on fire to the point that you hate everything around you. <laughs> what's what's not to like about crispy, crunchy pig I skin? I don't know. I think it's proof that <laughs> Jesus loves us, but that's just my personal opinion. Wyatt, how are you on, the, what, how do you come down on, on the, the skin question? Yeah, the skin question. I'm a fan of it. I'm not doing it at the moment just because I don't have room in the restaurant to chop it up and put it into the uh and mix it into the barbecue okay but i'm definitely a fan of it and i think the people who who don't like it a lot of the times when you get objections from folks it's 
because their notion of what's traditional or right. what is North Carolina barbecue differs a little bit from yours. And it's it's so sacred in this state that that people do they'll they'll get mad at you. I'm sure I'm sure a few people have let Sam have it, and I've only been open a month, and I got people letting me have it. But I think you have to stick to your guns. Yeah, do what you do. And ultimately, people will respect you for it. And I, I mean, Sam is a, a walking embodiment of that. No, I mean, we're we're surrounded by a legend right now, you know? <laughs> we are. But before we get into kind of authenticity and, and what's good barbecue and, and not good barbecue, why you come from a much different background. You uh, are from Fayetteville, North Carolina? I grew up in Fayetteville. And you're the son of a judge and a senator? Uh, a state senator. State senator. That's well. Still, that's. I'm not a state senator. So me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Um, but you you gave up a career to kind of do the barbecue thing. I did when I was in law school. Uh, I guess this would be five years ago or so. Uh, I'd been living in New York, working for a big law firm up there. Came back to North Carolina to go to law school and started cooking pigs again. Uh-huh. Um, except this time I cooked a. I discovered like pasture raised pigs, which I call like real pigs now, ones that roll in the mud and root around and break down gates and run amok on the farm. That kind of pig. Um I cooked one for for an event and Andrea Rusing, who runs Lantern in Chapel Hill. Of course, yeah. Um somehow heard about it and then asked me to cook another pig a few weeks later for their tenth anniversary and I was a little bit shocked and then kind of crap my pants but agreed to do it uh and it turned out to be one of the better like pigs i've ever cooked and was kind of one of those those two pigs for me were i, I don't want to be cheesy but an, an epiphany that said wow i did not i didn't know i could it could be this good uh-huh. um and and since then i've only cooked pasture raised pigs and and like sam i only do whole hog um uh-huh. i think that mixing everything in together always makes for a better product uh-huh. and and sam do you think you know having grown up doing it is can anybody make good barbecue i believe so I what do. what do you need you need a good product to start with yeah and don't bastardize it mm-hmm. and meaning you don't have to do a ton of things to a pig or or any meat for that matter to make it good uh-huh you cook it like it ought to be cooked uh-huh. and let the meat be the meat. It doesn't have to be a particular sauce has to be on it or it's all about the pig. Right. Yeah. Done right. It can, it should stand on its own. You should just be, yeah. Eat it natural. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I've, I've, you know, been doing this a, a while tracking kind of what's going on around the country. And I feel like every year barbecue, you know, trends come and go, but barbecue seems like it's always there. And I don't know whether that's just because the dining scene is becoming more casual in the U.S. or there's more people doing it. But it seems like what is it about barbecue that no matter, you know, what trends come and go, barbecue kind of remains, you know? Um, well, historically, it was a peasant food. Right. Uh, it was a cheap way to feed a bunch of people. And that's not the case anymore if barbecue's done right. It is not a cheap food. Not at all. Um, and I'm getting pushed back at our new restaurant for that very thing, prices. Prices. People but, expect if they order a pulled pork sandwich that it should cost three, $7 or whatever. <laughs> In my part of the world. <laughs> Seven be real nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what, uh, it, what is what is the tipping point with a, in North Carolina with a pulled pork sandwich? Like, 
Who do you think you are charging that much for a pool? Is it five bucks is getting up there? Sam's probably like four fifty or something. Skylight's at four fifty and uh we're at six twenty five. And you're trying to rob people. At the new I'm restaurant kidding. with a side and Man, that's it's just like I'm pulling your wallet out of your pocket and tying your arms behind your back. Well, anytime you want to come up to Brooklyn and sell me a six dollar and twenty five cent pulled pork sandwich, the, I'll take it. The, the price grows up when you cross, <laughs> cross the river. Yeah. How much do you charge for a, a pulled pork sandwich at picnic? Uh, with a with with coleslaw and one side, I think we'll charge like seven fifty, maybe. Okay. Don't quote me though. Okay. But he, he's in a completely different market right, than right. we are. Uh, that's probably a fair price where you're at. It's about fair, but I'm not. I'm not making a lot of money. It, it, it would be a loss. It would be a loss leader for us. But you know, you have to. You have to. You have to do it. If I were in in Raleigh, thirty miles away, I could probably charge another two bucks, no problem. <laughs> but you both you both mentioned authenticity and this notion that we romanticize. I mean, me as a southerner, I romanticize it all the time. Like I have a few memories, and I'm sure that place that I used to go to near Lake Oconee, you know, south of Atlanta, Georgia, was actually not that good, but right. I went when I was seven. It was an experience. Yeah, it was an experience. Do you think, I mean, is it fair to say that, you know, people say, oh, if it wasn't the, the good old days when barbecue was real and smoked and all that, but I would be willing to go out there, obviously I wasn't alive 50 years ago, but I would say there's probably more better barbecue these days than there was 30 years ago. Well, I was gonna say I think it, I think it depends. Yeah. But but something happened in the last fifty years with industrial hog farming that has changed barbecue and probably not for the better. Right. And I think that when people start to see the the difference, it they'll have the same epiphany I had. Well, everybody got scared of pork at right. one point in time, mm-hmm. like it was just a. Like they were eating anthrax or something. Yeah, like yeah they because were, they were. Yeah, everybody it, was told that pork was killing everybody. Right, like they were just injecting <laughs> fat. Or right, something. and so everyone, for all practical purposes, knee jerked pigs. Right, we we've got to make them lean. We've got to make them lean, and they were making barbecue hard to produce. Right, just because it was worth the, a the product wasn't there exactly. to make it. Okay, you've got to have. Nobody likes to say this because it's 2016, but. You got to have some fat mm-hmm. to make good food, right? I think people are coming around to that a little bit, right? More. Well, I mean, and yeah. so uh, one guy told me that you should uh, call it natural juices, not <laughs> fat. But I, I mean, like if you that. think my I, my family grew up, well, that makes I grew me up, naturally juicy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, mean, I grew up, my family that we farmed, they had a restaurant, they had a racehorse farm, and every meal that my grandmother cooked, if there was greens on the table, it was seasoned. With pork fat. Yeah. I mean, it made everything better. And so if you take that from the animal that you're making your main product with, yes, it makes a terrible difference in it. Right. Do you, do you think when your grandfather opened up, when he did it open up Skylight, but did he even, he didn't even think about the ingredients probably because was he getting, just he knew where the ingredients were coming from back when he opened or was he in just getting... In our family were was... Broke as a freshly released convict. Really? <laughs> and they lived from the farm. The restaurant was not self-sustaining at the time. And so when Skylight opened, my grandfather was 16 years old. Wow. And so imagine a 16-year-old kid running a restaurant. At an now when I, when Exactly. And when I say a restaurant, I'm talking about a octagonal-shaped cinder block building. Right. 
that had a jukebox, a from my from the stories I've been told, some kind of stuffed bear. <laughs> <laughs> um and it was a party. Like I remember people just recently I talked to a couple. This guy was telling me a story. I used to go out to your granddaddy's place in the fifties and we could go parking behind the place back there and his wife was sitting at the table when he was telling me this story. And I'm thinking, I don't believe I would I don't believe I'd have told that, brother. And he said, Yeah, he said, I went out there with this this girl when we were teenagers and we went parking and he told me the story and anyway, that was his wife. He she, met his wife at Skylight go. in the fifties parking. I was, I was gonna say, I bet she already knew the story. Yeah. And so <laughs> I mean it was did. he sold everything back then. It wasn't until the the sixties when they made the, the transition to only being a barbecue place. Barbecue place, okay. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of barbecue, and, and you know, we're all Southern kids here. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. I'm still a kid. Depends on who you ask. All right. <laughs> well, um, and, you know, be- when I moved to the the North uh, 20 years ago, I always thought, okay, well, there goes barbecue. I'm never going to have good barbecue. But I would say recently, and, and as I've traveled around the U.S., you can, in fact, get really good barbecue <clears throat> outside of the South. I don't know if you guys yeah. agree with me on that or not. I do. But when did this kind of, this regionalization of like, you know what, it doesn't, you know, you can get, you can go to hometown barbecue in, in Brooklyn. I don't know if either of y'all have been there. I know Billy Will. Pretty, pretty solid stuff, yeah. you know? Um, or or going to Podnas Pit in Portland, Oregon, like Rodney Muir, he does a really good job. Uh. Do you is it just more of that romanticism that we're talking about that nostalgia that it can't or like why why do you think barbecue you know it it has no boundaries really their lines are a lot more blurred than they once were yeah for mm-hmm. instance my grandfather was one of those you know what this is the way we cook barbecue and if you don't cook it this way you're going to hell and there's <laughs> nothing any preacher can do about it um and there were people that we're of that sentiment. Those people, the age that you were talking about earlier, right. that generation of people, and there's some people still pretty passionate about it. Right. That barbecue is a food defined by geography. Right. Yeah. And so the people from that area where that food was born, it's like man, a sports they team, right? Freaking yeah. fist fight over. Yeah. It. yeah. It's the, um, people get passionate about yeah. it, and 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 it can catch you off guard at at times, like with 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 the barbecue. I mean, they people have been giving us hell on hush puppies for a couple of weeks, and it didn't because a barbecue place shouldn't have hush puppies. Well, it should have hush puppies, but the hush puppies <laughs> have to be like exactly right, and and I'm I'm sure Sam will agree. Like people are not shy about sharing their opinions, and everyone in North Carolina has an opinion on what North Carolina barbecue is and should be, and sometimes. You align with their opinion, and sometimes you don't. But I think that ultimately everybody appreciates it when you're trying to continue and better, you know, something that the state's pretty proud of and and means a lot to people. So do you do you guys roll your eyes when if you were to go to Portland, Oregon, and and you saw a sign for North Carolina style pit barbecue? I wouldn't if it was being done correctly. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I would be. I'd be pumped about it if they were doing it right. If they were, you know, pulling it out of an oven, maybe not at all, but done right. Any anyone can do it. It's it's time and heat more and and patience and having the right temperament. Basically, yeah. that's what, that's what it takes. There isn't a arrogant 
bone in my body at all. But I think that every style of barbecue, that there's people that do a really, really good job at it. And there's three times that amount doing a terrible job at mm-hmm. it. So what about, how do how do you guys feel about alcohol, mixing alcohol, selling alcohol with barbecue? I feel good about it. Sam's head is shaking right now. Like I, my, I am the son of a Baptist preacher. Um, Skylight sold beer in the early days. And my grandfather stopped selling beer. It was in the late 50s. Uh, because Skylight was a party joint back in the day. Right. Well, so fast forward to now, there's something about Eastern North Carolina that alcohol with barbecue is taboo. It yeah. Is all, and I say that I lived in a very small... Not from a religious thing, just it doesn't go together, no, they say? It, or? What I'm saying is it goes together. Okay. If somebody's cooking a pig at a tailgate, they're going to be drinking beer. Right. However... There are also going to be some Jesus people that show up. That's right. And the people who are our parents' age do not dig, for most practical purposes, a restaurant in Eastern North Carolina selling beer. I say that having one. Um, (laughs) In the Greenville, North Carolina newspaper, the Daily Reflector has this section called Bless Your Heart. Oh, you didn't get one of those, did you? Man. That's a Southern FU. Correct. I was in the Bless Your Heart. Oh, bless every your heart, other day. Sam, I'm sorry. <laughs> every other day. Wait, wait. So this is a column that they. This is a column where it could be used for good. Like bless your heart to the guy that Rescued gave me my extra dollar that I was short standing in line okay. at the grocery store. Okay. Or bless your heart to every other barbecue place in Eastern North Carolina for not selling beer. Oh wow! Hint, hint. Wink, wink. The new place. <laughs> not gonna call any names. Sam Jones Barbecue for selling beer. You're going to hell for it. Yeah, I had a lady in our drive-through tell me that. Straight up, you're going to hell. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, and yeah. like I said, people are passionate about bar- yeah. barbecue. Barbecue is serious it business. Matters. I don't think people outside of the South realize how ingrained and how important it is it to really people down is. here. <laughs> All right, I want to thank both of you guys, Sam Jones, owner of Sam Jones Barbecue in Greenville, North Carolina. And also thanks to Wyatt Dixon, co-owner of Picnic in Durham, Correct. North Carolina. Before Correct. I let you guys go, though, we have to do our lightning round. Awesome. So this is one, you just, I, I don't need any explanation, just give me an answer. Got it. Start with you, Wyatt. Sweet tea or lemonade or both? Arnold Palmer. Good answer. Tea. Tea. Sweet tea or unsweetened tea? Tea is no good without sugar. But how much sugar? That's because that's <laughs> a whole nother. We have a whole nother show about that. I'm my, we, we could do a sweet tea. Mostly but, sugar is what I've found people want. Like, what I was very little to tea say is I'm talking about a diabetic emergency. Right, right. The people they, they really what they want to do is like freebase some sucrose. <laughs> well, I stopped at the chicken coop in Charlotte, North Carolina, one time, and my wife is not from the South. We picked up a jug of sweet tea. And we were driving to New York, and she started drinking it. And literally spit it out in the car. She's like, "This, they must have made a mistake." And I had it. And I was like, "You got not just a mistake." Syrup. Yeah, it was. <laughs> All right, uh, Brunswick stew or hush puppies? Stew. Sam, uh, I'm a bread guy myself. Um, hush puppies. I mean, I like Brunswick stew. It's okay. I'm gonna be hush puppies. Okay. I might dip it in the stew. There you go. <laughs> All right, Wyatt. Mac and cheese or potato salad? I'm gonna go potato salad. Potato salad. Yeah. yeah. This you're asking questions like, do you love your wife or your mother? 
That's true. Well, they're not easy. I know that's why I'm no, asking them. I'm a lover. Who's of, listening? Yeah, I'm a lover of mac and cheese. Uh, a sandwich or just the meat? I don't care as long as there's slaw with it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yep. the, the bun on that sandwich is just a vehicle to get it to your mouth, and then it disappears anyway. So it doesn't. I don't really. You don't care. Distinguish much, Sam? A sandwich and slaw is not even an option. Like, really? No. God intended for a pork sandwich to have coleslaw. On. Yes, He did. It's, Absolutely. it's in the Bible. If you it's don't want it, you can scrape that shit off. But you're getting it. <laughs> Texas Pete or Crystal? Pete, all the way. That's a North uh, Carolina product. Yeah. Why? Nah, I just bought Wild a drink. He don't even realize it. T.W. Yeah. Garner out of Winston family, Salem. Family owned. Yes, sir. Home team. Thank you. Yes, sir. Beer or bourbon? Got to choose one. Not together. It depends on the time of day, but probably beer. I I would go bourbon. Bourbon. Let's go with Cheerwine or Pepsi. Cheerwine. I don't know if you who you asked, but I asked, uh, Sam said Cheerwine. Yeah. I, I, my teeth are getting cavities. <laughs> um, I guess if you're going to drink one of them, you drink Cheerwine. But, yeah, they're they're both a little too sweet for me. All right. Uh, chopped or pulled? Pulled all day. I would I mean, I have to say chopped. That's or your, my, I kind of have to say If my pulled. dad was listening to this and I didn't say chopped, it'd be like, hey, honey, how about get that wheel out of the safe? Right. He's out. How about Sam's not coming home from right. Charleston? Exactly. <laughs> All right, then one that has just, just because we always ask this question, uh, butter or olive oil? Butter. Butter makes everything better. They and have pork it. fat. Yes. Yeah, pork fat. Pork fat or butter? Both. <laughs> That's not a fair question. I'm telling you, it's like your wife or your mother. That's what you're choosing between. All right, guys, thank you so much. Absolutely, thank you. I enjoyed it, yeah. A lot of fun. And Carla, I'm going to be kind of honest with you. I so rarely make burgers or dogs when I grill. I almost always, when we do our block party, I do burgers and hot dogs. I want to do them, but I'm always like feeling like, oh, I work at Bon Appetit. I need to make, you know, some crazy Asian spare ribs yeah. or like a spatchcock chicken or, you know, but it's like, oh, hot dogs and hamburgers. That's too simple. Well, my dumb thing is like I've done a whole suckling pig, but the same day I also did hot dogs and hamburgers. That's insane. Some days you need a hamburger, a really good grilled hamburger. Uh, you know, you need to break up the the spatchcock chicken and the whole pig on, on the, yeah. the fire. Before I came to be, I would do hot dogs and hamburgers with you fancy pants guys pressuring me into doing, you know, the fancy stuff. But it makes the classic smash burger on the grill even better. All right, so let's let let let's get down to business here because we'll we'll, we'll start with we'll start with burgers. You talked about smash burgers on the grill. Now, Carla and I, I think I came around last year to this whole thing where you take the cast iron skillet, put it on the grill over the coals, and then use that as like your shorter cook station, and you're doing like. In and out, Shake Shack style burgers where you smush them right in the pan. You put the American cheese on. It's sizzling in its own fat, and it's crispy, and it's 
just oh my god this is what the pioneers did right oh but yeah they yeah did, really yeah covered wagon they were like fully just sticking the cast iron right on the fire you're saying Shake Shack is like a, a pioneer thing? <laughs> I'm saying we think this is a new idea, but this uh-huh. is really like old-fashioned campfire stuff. Just the notion of doing cast iron over like a over, over live fire. Yeah, these grow grates are for like modern weaklings. That's a good point because like people are always like, well, people are then like, well, is it really grilling? And I'm like, well, I mean, it's your outside. You're yeah. with your friends. Right. You got to drink. And so if you're using a skillet on top of, 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 a, of, of a live fire grill or even a gas grill – uh, whether it's for dogs or burgers or even you're making like throwing some some vegetables in there, yeah. you know. It's much, much hotter than most indoor home stoves are going to get. So your cast iron is getting like much hotter. But better than that, you don't have to clean up all the splattered grease I love all over that. your kitchen. So, yeah. you know, all the you have a natural exhaust system. There's easy cleanup. <laughs> I think that's a huge part about grilling outside and is that you don't have all – obviously, the smoke, the grease, all that sort of stuff. And I did a party last year, a going-away party for friends in our backyard, and there's probably 25 people there. And I was like, all right, I'm on burger duty. And that's the thing. If, if you're the person manning the grill, you're working yeah, at a party. Unless totally. and, unless you do it all ahead of time, which is another thing we were talking about uh, on another podcast. But I was there, and I was, like, doing the smash burgers. I, I took the, borrowed this, like, 17-inch cast iron skillet from work. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that since, yeah, actually. I, yeah. Weirdly. I, I might still We had to get it. another one. No, <laughs> really? Did. Yeah, we yeah. did. Do I still I'd have love, it? Yeah, you, you do. You sure? Our, our friend, I, that's my favorite cast iron skillet. Okay. I honestly don't know where it is. I was thinking about the other oh. day. I'm like, do I still have that skillet? But so anyway, so and I'm smashing them in there, and I got all, like, the, the American cheese, which kind of gets that sort of, like, when it's sitting on a table on a warm summer night, it's not quite melted on its own, but it just gets that weird limp sort of like <laughs> gooey. And you're like peeling that off, putting it on there, and it's sizzling. And, you know, people are just freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, this is the best burger ever. How did you do it? And I'm like, well, you put a little salt and pepper on it. You smash it in <laughs> right. a skillet, and it's basically frying in its own fat until it's crispy on one side. You flip it over. You put the cheese on there, and it's done really quickly. Yeah. And then I don't want to jump ahead to hot dogs. But because Emil Stonic, our colleague here, he was like, oh, if you throw a few dogs on, no one will complain. Someone's always going to eat a hot dog. For sure. Yeah. So I was then taking the hot dogs and throwing them in the pan, basically frying up in the beef fat. Why not? And that, I was like, holy cow. Because And that, and then you take the little bun and you crisp them up in that fat. Mm. Oh, my God. It's a multi-purpose griddle situation. So I, I don't know. It, it was it was pretty easy, and like I said, it is nice that you it, you don't get the splatter. You don't have to have a hood. You, you know, you just kind of roll with it on the outside. The other thing that happens too afterwards is you've completely seasoned your griddle mm. as a result because mm-hmm. the the grill is much hotter than if you'd had it on the stove. And then if you're cooking smash burgers on the grill, let's be honest, you're probably making twenty, right? You yeah. know, so after all of that. You're, you wipe down your griddle and it's completely seasoned better than you'd ever be able to get it inside. Interesting point. Bonus. All right. Well, Carla, let me ask you a question. So let's say you're doing burgers on the grill without a cast iron. Thoughts on how you make them, how you, how you grill them? Any, any, any opinions? Um, my opinion is that a good burger has a high percentage of fat. And as we know, when fat liquefies over the heat and drips onto the coals, it causes a fire. And your, your, your definition of a good percentage being? Oh, tw- at least 20%. At least 20%. Yeah. yeah. So, if you, um, so kids, when you go to the grocery store and you see 85% lean, 
Don't buy that. It's really 85. You can kind of get away with yeah. it, especially with some, you know, mayo, maybe some bacon on oh, your burger. Fixins. Yeah, some fixins. Um, but, but you want, but you want that 90% lean? Ugh. Like, Ugh. no, no, th- Rick, no. Rick just blanched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want a 20, 20 Tell me, why do you say 25%? I know, I've done yeah. it. So and I mean, they'll shrink a lot, but yeah. they'll be delicious. So the thing that I like to do is actually bank the coals. I used to always do two thirds of the grill being over indirect heat and one third being hot. But Rick turned me on to the perimeter um, indirect heat, which yeah. is really cool because then you do get that. Wait, so you do the, you do the coals the in the hot middle? Coals, no, the hot coals are going around the outside so do, edge so of the grill. A, so you push them to a, the outer edge. It's like a, edge. Like a, it's a ring of donut. fire. A briquette donut is a great way of thinking about it. So, a, the, so there's like a there's a circle of safety on the inside of the, the yeah. grill grate? So you have right? heat. You have heat basically surrounding your food. It's great for chickens also. Yeah. So instead of if you put the, the chicken in the center and you have a ring of fire around it, you're you're cooking all sides. Yeah. Instead but if, but of, if, but if you you're, know. But if you're doing a steak, you want direct heat. If you want a steak. Yeah. So if you're doing a burger, Rick, let me, because I'm really confused now. How are you grilling burger over coals? What, what, where, where are the coals? So when I do the burger on a Weber, I have a, the entire surface is one layer of coal. Because I like to grill mine on hot because I like it rare, medium, rare. So I want something that's really hot that's going to sear it. Uh, you won't get that much fat dripping out and cause, causing the, the flare-ups. Because it's, it's not hanging out for that long. It's not hanging out for that long. So it's literally going to be two minutes per side, really super hot, probably about 750, 800 degrees. So you're saying we can ignore the whole donut of briquettes? Well, that's if, Rick. Well, Rick just said, Rick was the one who said to do the briquette donut. That's he what I do for my what, burgers. Right. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. Oh, my God. My head's hurting. All right. So, okay. But we'll, hold on. Before we get to the, the coals or the gas grill and how high you turn it on, the burger itself, and I think we're on the same page here, you buy good ground chuck, for instance, with 20% fat. I do a very loosely packed burger, just enough to keep it together so it's not dense and, and too too hard. About a third of a pound, maybe? Oh, six I ounces. do a four-ounce burger, but whatever. Oh, yeah, four to six ounces. Salt, salt on the outside. Salt and pepper. Salt, yeah. salt and pepper on the outside, not on the inside. Never. Just yeah, because that makes that sort of takes the moisture out and turns into sausage, kind of. I was told one time, which makes sense. Um, you, you don't want to salt it beforehand and let it sit. We're not making no. meatballs. No. no. And then you lay it on the grill and do not press down. Rick, don't press down. I, I never press down because that's also where all the juice goes and also causes a flare. <laughs> fixins. Let's talk fixins. Oh, well, cheese. First of all, cheese. American. American, yes. We have a, do, do we have a consensus here, Carla? When I do cookouts, I do American. Yeah. I mean, I would do cheddar. I, mean, I don't have a problem with cheddar. I think, no disrespect to April Bloomfield, but I think like blue cheese on a burger is disgusting. I wouldn't do that. No. No. And I don't like otherwise. And also, then you start getting like Munster or whatever, or Swiss. Swiss, is, I don't believe in Swiss. No, I That's don't like believe in you know, Swiss in you know, general. You're the person who's using a, an English muffin. The only burger. other one I would do is cheddar also. Yeah. 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 Um, and... I mean, and also obviously what's nice about American cheese besides its weird liquidy cheesiness is it melts really quickly. Yeah. It doesn't even really melt. It like softens. It just droops. That's its thing. It's like that character in, um, it's like the, the evil Terminator in Terminator 2 who turns into uh, liquid and like his finger goes through your eye. He's like, he's made out of like liquid mercury or whatever. <laughs> That's like, American cheese. Yeah, American yeah. cheese is like the liquid mercury of cheese. I like to get the cheddar though from the deli where they slice it and yeah. it. Slice it thin. Well, it's also really nice if you thin, get it sliced yeah. thin, which is yeah. nice. I, yeah, I love that. I mean, like, give me 20 slices of thinly sliced cheddar. That, that would yeah. do that. Okay, so we got that happening. Fixins. 
uh, lettuce and tomato, especially in the summertime. I just the thing that I love about grilling burgers outside is that I know that there's an heirloom tomato that is it's going to be cut. It's going to be mm. really delicious. Salt it right before it goes on the yeah. burger. Lots of mayo and the American melted American cheese, and that's that's. Mm. Kind you of, mentioned lettuce though. Iceberg. If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do it, will you yeah. shred it or do you like just into I, leaves? I just do the leaves. I, I yeah. kind of don't have time to, you know. I mean, I oh, because that, that shredding that'll take at least twenty six seconds. <laughs> well, I'm I'm manning the grill, cooking twenty yes. burgers for a bunch of hungry people. They can yeah. like rip their own leaves off. But um, shredding lettuce for a burger, I think, defeats the purpose. Like I love shredded lettuce on a hero. I kind of love shredded lettuce a lot in sandwiches. But not on a burger because it just will wilt right away. I like it but, the way if, they no, do but, it. But if it's if it's iceberg, it won't wilt. It'll stand up to the heat a little with, bit better. But with, with the shredding, I don't know. It's too much surface area. It's going to steam. It's going to get limp. I like it the way they do it at Pie and Burger in Pasadena, California. It's like several slices of the iceberg. Oh, where it's almost like a, it's like a wedge. It's I like, like a wedge it. Salad yeah, on because your I'm I'm after the crunch and the tomato. I love tomatoes, but I'm, take it or leave it on my burger. Really? I want oh. I want American cheese. I want the lettuce. I want mayonnaise and <sighs> hot sauce that is what hot i want sauce. interesting yeah. i'm with the rick on this one i would do that nice heirloom tomato like a nice thick one i would do american cheeseburger medium rare i love mayonnaise i would put it on both sides and that's it i don't even need the lettuce <laughs> something lettuce i guess i guess it gives you texture i love which the, is nice. i love for the cold and the hot yeah, contrast and for the crunch and also a pickle some sliced pickles delicious um, all right, so let's. All right, so that's that's burger talk on the cover of our July issue of Bon Appetit magazine on newsstands. Now we got a, all sorts of hot dogs with all sorts of crazy toppings. Let's start at the bottom though, first with the hot dog before yeah. you get all creative with the toppings. Yeah, we were eating a lot of different kinds of dogs and decided to do a formal test kitchen hot dog. Tasting, blind tasting, which is the only way to really judge anything. This is, this is your job? You do this for a living? This is part of my job. You yeah. guys get paid to just sit around and eat hot dogs? It hey. was actually hard. There were nine <laughs> brands. Do I need to go back and talk about the uh, clam the, juice t- taste test? Because yeah, I also had that. to do that one. All right. So, um, yeah. So, so, who fared well on the all beef hot dog so tasting? So, it's funny because as I suspected, it was a very um, American brand, Boar's Head beef frankfurters with the natural casing they have a bunch of different types but that was the winner and it doesn't surprise me at all because hot dogs are one of those very nostalgic things and the brands that you tend to gravitate to are the ones who have been around forever who like deliver that kind of straightforward what you expect deliciousness um but the snap is really important and the beefy flavor is really important any other brands that did well so I actually differed from the group. Um, Hebrew National was actually my favorite. Oh, old school. Um, nice. It had it had a really nice snap to it. But the thing that, I, apart from the flavor, the thing that I really liked about it is the texture. Some of them, some of the hot dogs we tried were really almost spongy and mm. really unpleasant. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Hebrew National seemed to me to have a really good plump interior coupled with the snap. To me, it, it made me think it would grill really well. Yeah. Um, and still retain a lot of the moisture. All right, two questions. First of all, is there am I wrong in thinking that there's some hot dogs that don't have casing? Do I see this at like sometimes in stores? Like you're probably no ca- talking about uncured, like the ones that are nitrate free. Oh, yeah, okay. like the all all American beef organic hot dog. Yeah, That's, one, those yeah. have really good flavor, but they, they don't have the same. It's all about that casing. All right, so then grilling a hot dog, you kind of can't screw it up, right? They're already cooked. 
Well, you can yeah, actually. You can. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do Overcooking? I know? Overcooking. Oh, that's Overcooking and cooking over too hot of a heat because really? they will burst. Oh, they they, split, can, they go I've too fast. That. They split, oh. and then you lose all your juices. Kind of, sometimes they'll kind of explode if yeah. you drop yeah. them on a really super hot. So grill, if I but so how long do I? It's is it? I mean, I don't know. What am I? Is it five minutes over medium heat or? Yeah, four use, to five. Yeah, use your eyes. Medium high. Just rolling, keep it, keep rolling, them rolling them around. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, don't, you don't want to leave them too long on one side because they'll they they'll char up pretty quickly. Yeah. And then they dry out and get all wrinkly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, and toast the buns, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. All right, so what, what's funny about this cover is we got all sorts of kind of cool, kooky, creative toppings uh, going on here. What, what are you, what's your favorite of this batch, Carla? I really like the banh mi one that has the pickled carrots and the herbs on them. Um, I th- probably was my probably was my favorite. This was a peanut saute sauce, so kind of like a sweet peanut yeah, sauce. Yeah, sweet with a little spice. And then you have some pickled carrots, thinly sliced red chili, cilantro, crushed peanuts. Ooh, the peanuts sounds yeah. nice. I think, you know, all of these dogs have a few things in common. They all have something kind of creamy. They all have a crunchy thing. They all have a fresh thing, yeah. uh, whether it was herbs or the shishito peppers or what, whatever. Um, and that combination of cooling yeah. and creamy... And it's and really fatty. nice because that also comp because hot dogs are so kind of salty and concentrated in yeah. flavor that they stand up well to really sort of bright, brightly Aggressive. flavored sort yeah. of things. Something acidic is really key, I think. Yeah. I, and, and Rick, what about you of, of this uh, of the Dirty Dozen here? I I really like that one as well, the Bon Me Dog. I think that was probably my favorite. Uh, the Elote Dog was also really good and kind and of surprising when when Claire originally told me her idea for it. I was like, hmm. I'm not sure what I think about corn and hot dogs. And Elote, a riff on the Mexican grilled corn right, right. idea. But it was it was really really good, and it was uh, it was pretty spicy. I was I was kind of uh, I was into it. I think uh, I know what Adam's favorite was. Well, yeah, and you've mocked me for this before. I <laughs> I love it. First, of all, not only did you mock me, you vetoed me of even including what I wanted to include in this story. I got other people to 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 yeah. to weigh in. So if you think this is some all powerful dictatorship here at Bonnet Petit, it's, it, you're only right sixty percent of the time. Um, so I wanted to do a my favorite is a slaw dog. I like to make like a nice creamy slaw. Homemade with some celery seed and then avocado, nice ripe avocado slices. So I have avocado on one side of the dog, slaw on the other, and then a little Dijon or French's mustard. Not French's, I like the Goldens, like the brown mustard down the middle. And you said you found the avocado as what, Carla? Um, well, the warm fattiness next to the already fatty hot dog was just i mean we did in fairness we did put it up for tasting Mm -hmm. and several people had it and several people uh rejected it so (laughs) but i would put avocado on my hamburger yeah you put in your burger so that doesn't make sense rick back me up here come on help a brother out i mean i love avocado you know that (laughs) but it it you lost all the flavor of the slaw like it just it just masked all the flavor it just felt very muted and then it was another squishy element with the bun but we did bring a slaw dog into the story yeah. and we just paired it up with the incredibly spicy acidic fantastic sport pepper yeah and this one the ranch dog which has a great name so this one is ranch dressing which everyone, who doesn't who like does, yeah. everyone loves ranch dressing Cru- crushed up potato chips mm. that's awesome uh creamy ranch slaw Wait, so we have ranch dressing and ranch law. It's the same dressing, but it just goes different parts of the dog. Double duty. Uh, Pickled hot peppers and then chopped chives. Chives are underrated. They are. Oh, totally. Love a chive. 
Yeah. You know, because like sometimes you don't want to like chop like the chopped raw onion might be too much, but the chopped chives like suggests that sort of allium vibe without going full on. Yeah, as someone who cannot eat raw onion, I I completely concur. All right, anything else we need to know about hot dogs? I mean, you're gonna have more than one. Oh wait, two things. Yes, you should always plan for more than one. Two things we did on this story, which I like from a visual effect, certainly. We did the slash dog where we kind of oh, made little yeah. slashes in it, almost like you were making homemade bread with a, a boule loaf. You do mm-hmm. the slashes on top. Can we talk about the slashes, Carla? Sure. That was cool. We actually started out, and I should give credit to uh, Claire Saffitz, who went you know, really crazy with hot dogs for several days in a row. But um, we started out wanting to do the spiral cut hot dog, which turns out to be more annoying than you think because you have to put a skewer straight through the middle of the hot dog and then take a knife and go all the way around. Yeah, so the, the, the spiral, so the, the cut continues. You yeah, so you don't. It's kind of go. like a you know, like a curly fry, and you can't cut all the way through, Ooh, curly or else, fries. yeah. Mm. And we did. She What's did better, it. Curly fries or or waffle fries. Oh, it's hard. Curly. No, wa- I, I like think waffles, waffle. waffles fry up crispier. I you agree. Don't get soggy curly fries. I mean, the you get a curly fries sticks them. together too yeah, much, yeah. and you don't get yeah. the yeah, yeah surface you're not area. Frying them right. You have to you have to have a deep fat. Well, fry. you're not. Do- who's you're ordering them from somewhere? Well, I'd send them back. <laughs> send them back. Okay. Like, but yeah. So, insu- so she like did insurance. the spiral dog a couple times. This is a highly skilled person. She could yeah. do whatever, and she was like, "That's re- it's really annoying. I d- I would never do it again." But it was all yeah. It's one of those internet things and it's what we realized it's just all about the surface area right creating more cuts for more browning more little edges yeah. and she got the same effect just by going straight down and on one side on one side yeah big deal fine. and then it gets heat gets in there and yeah, you get these little crevices and they're crispy and, and that that's an easy quick thing to do which sort of ups the delish factor but now we also have the bacon wrapped dogs oh. So, so talk to me about that technique because there is some technique involved in this, a little right? Bit. You partially cook the bacon before you, you yeah, because oh. it won't it won't fully cook if you wrap the raw bacon around yeah. the, the dog. So you have to partially cook it, then wrap it. And I believe they were they were toothpicked into the uh, into the dog to hold it on, um, and then just griddled after. Just that. remember to take the toothpicks yeah, out once, when once you're done. Once they're done, you can take the picks out and they stick together. And they say, yeah, and that's yeah. ours. So you got to like sort of par cook the bacon so it starts to cook but still is pliable. It's not... But yeah. they're highly addictive. I mean, she was literally having to chase the other editors away from her dogs or she would have never had a tasting. I think we were all more. like the only thing that makes a delicious salty uh, meat product more delicious is wrapping it in it's more, more salty, salty meat, meat product. product. Well, Carla and Rick, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Always fun. So hungry now. This podcast has been brought to you by Val Cushing and Carrie Polis, with editing by Mitra Kaboli and additional help from Christina Che and Lily Sherman. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. We have new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to tell us anything about this or any episode, please email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. 